Welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Blue Notes podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. Hello, I am your host, Benji Taylor. Sunday, the Colts faced a familiar foe, the 8-1 Philadelphia Eagles, and the home team led for most of the game, yet in the end, the Colts blew a 10-point lead and lost the game. It was the same old Colts, the same team we're used to seeing. The interim coach Jolt was swift and mounted, wild excitement, but it was short-lived. All that excitement traveled back from Vegas and crammed into Lucas Oil Stadium, but it was flattened midway through the Colts' matchup against the Eagles. In the fourth quarter of Sunday's game, the wave abruptly crashed. Now, here we are asking all the same questions we've asked before. However, this time, I think I've got an answer. Stay with me, Colts fans. Last week, as I recounted all of the events that have unfolded with this franchise during the season, I posed this question, what are we doing? Remember, I thought the new short-term goal was to develop or evaluate Sam Ellinger. That was a few weeks ago. Well, the initial goal was to win a lot of games. Remember, I forecasted 12 wins for this team. When that plan was dashed, then I thought the new goal was to evaluate Sam. Then Sam was benched. So then I thought the team was trying to win by bringing in a new coach. But why would a team fire its entire offensive staff and think it's going to win any games with a high school football coach, no less? So I asked last week, what is the plan? I've thought about it, and I think I have an answer. But first, I want to talk about that Eagles game. I've got some observations I want to share with you. Observations about the game, the week, where this team is right now, and that's where we are. This isn't fun. I'm not enjoying these Sundays. The team isn't winning or going anywhere. I'm merely observing them, like a science experiment. I'm observing and noting these chemical reactions, which, in the moment, to quote one of my favorite Radiohead songs, seems hysterical and useless. But that's where we are. I'm watching and I'm observing. Observation number one, Jeff Saturday can't fix what's broken. Who knows why exactly Jim Ursay hired Jeff Saturday, but two reasons made his presence appealing. He is enthusiastic, and he was an excellent offensive lineman. This Colts team needed both corners of his expertise. Certainly they needed a boost of excitement, but they also needed someone to help mend the broken offensive line. For one week, to many of the Colts' community, it seemed like Jeff Saturday was the answer, as if he conjured up the magic potion and passed it around pregame in Vegas. The offensive line had their best day there blocking for JT, and he ran better than any game this season and broke his longest run of the season. Well, the wave crashed Sunday at home against a much better team. Either that or the potion wore off. At home, the offensive line which has been a problem all season long, was once again unable to protect an old, slow Matt Ryan in critical moments of the game Sunday, and aside from an early drive, the run game was stuffed. Jeff Saturday's magical win potion only lasted one week, unfortunately, and Sunday against the Eagles was ineffective. Sure, it's a small sample size, 
With six games remaining, maybe Jeff can mix something else up, but Sunday was a stiff shot of reality, and it didn't taste very good. The lineup changes, which were applauded a week ago in Vegas, were costly at home. Rookie Bernard Ryman remained at left tackle, while second-year player Will Fry started at right guard. The youngsters were glaring problems Sunday and were exploited when it mattered most. The Eagles' defensive front had been struggling with injuries, so they signed two old guys who hadn't played all season long, and it was more than enough to handle the Colts' struggling unit. Observation number two, going young is the right idea. I know that I just spoke to the struggles of the young offensive linemen, Ryman and Fries, yet I still believe that playing them is the right decision. I support the youth movement. This team is toast. I said that before the loss to the Eagles, but there is still one way to keep this season from being a complete and total loss. Develop the young players. See what you have in them. See what they can do. Personally, I'd want to see Sam included in this movement, but I fear that ship is sailed. If he's out, I still support playing the young guys. Two of the biggest problems for this season have been the left tackle and right guard positions, and it would be nice to know that at least one of those problems is fixed for next year. In the very least, by playing Ryman and Fries and evaluating them, the Colts can be sure which of the two positions will need to be filled by players outside of the organization next year, and if either has a future with the team. The only way to save this lost season is to get some cold, hard answers. And playing the young guys gives you that. If the youth movement really happens down the stretch, maybe safety Nick Cross should make a return. After starting the first two games of the season, he's only played one defensive snap since. The defense has played exceptionally well without him, but at 4-6-1, this team needs answers, no matter the cost. <laughs> now, at this point, I'm really debating on whether to go on another Sam Ellinger tangent. I won't, though. I'll spare you. Suffice it to say that Matt Ryan isn't doing this team any favors. Worse than that, Matt Ryan is hurting this team. I mean, that's clear, right? We can all acknowledge that now. I'm so tired of hearing how hurt or mad the locker room was when Ryan was benched prior to the Washington game. He's a nice guy. I like him. But that's what happens when your team stinks. It's not personal. Matt Ryan has kind of been a disaster and the team hasn't won enough. It's like when my students miss a bunch of classes, then they don't know what in the world they're doing and their grades suck. <laughs> if you don't like the result, you should have changed the process. If you won more games, if you hadn't played so poorly, Matt Ryan wouldn't have been benched. I don't know why that's so surprising. It's just easy math. <laughs> I have much, much more to say about that. We might get back to it and we might not. Observation number three, the manager coach is not such a bad idea. There is some intrigue in installing a coach who can manage coaching and scheme while not serving as the offensive or defensive coordinator. Before Frank was fired, I floated this idea, but I knew there was basically no chance of it happening. My thought was that Frank could pass off play-to-play -play decision making. He could have given the job to Marcus Brady while he was still hired, or he could have Parks Frazier call the plays from the booth. Even then, Frank 
could have been highly involved in the offensive decision-making, much like any coach would be. He could still design the plays and even script the first 10 or 15 of each half. Unfortunately, the Colts' former coach wasn't interested. During his tenure, Frank Reich was the offensive identity of this team, and I think his pride was too deeply woven into the offensive play calling and design. It seemed as though giving up play calling would be like admitting he failed as a coach, but I saw it differently. I thought that disconnecting from the offensive burdens would free Frank to address other personnel and performance issues on the team. Frank disagreed. With Saturday as the interim, we're now seeing how this new design could manage, and I don't hate it. However, for this to work, you need an excellent staff of coaches who can do their jobs without much of an overseer, and that is just not the case right now because the Colts have fired their entire offensive staff. Well, at least the ones who mattered. With Reich and Brady gone, Parks Frazier is now the de facto OC. And you can't blame Parks for the entire Colts' shortcomings. Parks is fine, but he has called plays for literally two NFL games in his entire life. Saturday wants to sit back and let the coaches coach. That's smart, especially for a coach with no experience. But as I mentioned, the Colts just don't have the staff to do that. However, there is a typifying downside to hiring a manager coach. The team would lose all sense of offensive identity. And in an offense-driven league, that is dangerous territory. With Frank, the Colts had a productive offense for four-plus seasons. Colts fans might disagree, but statistically speaking, this has been a good NFL offense for four straight seasons. From 2018 to 2021, the Colts were a top-10 scoring offense in the league in three out of those four years. The one season they weren't, of course, was Jacoby's second stint as the starting quarterback. And even then, the Colts were 16th, which is top half. With Frank Reich as the head coach and play caller, the Colts have had an offensive leader and identity. Unlike quarterback, there has been consistency at the head of the offense. One consistent voice. The Colts never really had that during Andrew Luck's tenure. And I think if the team hires a manager-type coach, we'll soon remember what we took for granted. I've been praying to my Lord and Savior that the Colts would develop a young quarterback. But for that to have any kind of chance of working out, the team must have a competent offensive staff in place, coaches and decision makers who will be here for a few years. The revolving door at quarterback has taken its toll on this franchise. We all know that. Unfortunately, we could see the same failures at the offensive coordinator position if the Colts do not hire an offensive-minded head coach because one of two things could happen at the position. Either the Colts hire a bad OC and he stinks and gets canned, or they hire a good one. He's successful and he soon gets a job elsewhere like our old buddy Nick Sirianni. Either way, it's a lose-lose. The organizational structure will be an interesting focus going forward. The hands-off coach, like what Saturday would offer, has some intrigue. But I don't see how this approach could work in an offense-driven league without an exceptional offensive coordinator, play caller, and quarterback all in place. Observation number four, Matt Ryan has not been good. I know, that sounds so basic and maybe obvious to some of you, but it's true. 
I've been reluctant to put too much blame on the guy because, I don't know, he, he seems likable. Also, there was plenty of blame to point elsewhere. The offensive line has been a substantial problem. The owner is a meddling mess. The head coach and offensive coordinator were fired. The star running back has been average. When you weigh in Matt Ryan, he just gets lost in the shuffle, but he deserves his fair share. Consider this, Carson Wentz was better last year than Matt Ryan has been this year. I wasn't ready to say that a few weeks ago, but I think we have to admit it now. There is no argument to be had. Compare Carson last year to Ryan this year, and Carson had a better passer rating, interception percentage, touchdown percentage, and sack percentage. And Matt Ryan's 11 fumbles through the first five games pulverizes Carson's number for the entire season. You can't blame all of that on Matt Pryor. <laughs> Remember that Carson's left tackle, Eric Fisher, he wasn't great either. In fact, he doesn't even have a job right now. And as bad as the Colts have struggled at that position, there have been no reports of them picking up the phone and calling Fisher to return. Carson was better. The eye test tells me, the numbers support it, and PFF agrees. Carson scored a 70.9 last season, while Matt Ryan currently has a PFF grade of 62.4. In the world of research, when three sources agree, it's a slam dunk. It is. More context added just makes the situation that much more preposterous. Carson was benched in Philly the year before coming to Indy, and after leaving, it seems like he's lost his job in Washington to Taylor Heineke. The guy can't stay employed anywhere, but with Frank Reich for one year in Indy, he was pretty good. Nevertheless, the Colts sent Carson Wentz down the road and now, obtusely, clings to an older, slower, less effective quarterback in Matt Ryan. It's true that he's not the only one to blame for the Colts' great woes and perhaps the firing of Frank Reich, but he deserves his fair share. Here's another comparison that'll turn your stomach. Matt Ryan was brought to Indy with the belief that the Colts were getting a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Ryan has had a nice 15-year career, but he's really never been known as a great passing quarterback, or at least not a great touchdown-throwing quarterback. Over the past 14 seasons, Matt Ryan has eclipsed 30 touchdowns only three times. Kirk Cousins who almost no one considers a Hall of Famer, has reached that same number in only seven seasons as a full-time starter. Cousins also has a much better touchdown percentage and a higher completion percentage. The Colts have struggled to score in the red zone this season, but that should be no mystery either. Ryan's Atlanta Falcons ranked 23rd or worse in red zone touchdowns in four out of the past five seasons when Ryan was quarterback. Red zone scoring has been a common issue for Matt Ryan, and in year 15, he's not creating any new habits. Is Matt Ryan just an older, more likable Kirk Cousins? That's what it looks like to me. And if that's the case, the 22 unraveling of the Colts shouldn't have been so unexpected. And now for my fifth and final observation, and this is the big one, Remember last week, I wondered what the plan was or is for the Colts. The year is dashed, playoff hopes consumed like the Thanksgiving turkey. Frank is fired, team interest in Sam Ellinger fever pitched, then flatlined in a space of two weeks. 
all while the Colts owner overstepped the GM and hired a high school coach cold out of the woodworks? Suddenly I was dumbfounded. No conceivable plan for the way forward found my vision. But now I have it. I have the answer, Colts fans. There is one simple plan for the remainder of the 22 Colts season, and this is it. Observation number five, Ursay is evaluating Saturday. That's it. That's the plan. And that's all that matters right now for this team. Well, that's all that matters for Jim Ursay. Maybe this was obvious to you, but I had no idea. <laughs> Stupid me. I thought the team would want to explore a younger quarterback option. Eventually, I thought the return to Matt Ryan was to try to make a late surge to the playoffs. But no, that's not it. That's not why Matt Ryan is starting again. Remember, Jim Ursay was the one who benched him. He didn't suddenly change his mind and believe that he could be the one to turn things around. This isn't about Matt. Jim Ursay is simply stepping back to allow Saturday to manage his team however he wants, and Ursay is evaluating him to see if he could be next year's coach. That's what he really wants. He even said that in the initial press conference. I heard that, but I dismissed it along with all the other weird stories that Jim Ursay told. Now I know this is the plan. This is what the Colts owner really wants. He wants to see if Jeff Saturday can be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and nothing else really matters. Ursay not only wants to evaluate the new coach down the final stretch of the season, but as I mentioned, he also said publicly that he hopes Saturday can be the coach next year. This is a bad look for the franchise for a number of reasons. Personally, I, I do not care if an interim coach of my favorite team has no coaching experience. It really doesn't matter to me because the goal of an interim must be to just guide the team to the end of the season. That's about it. There are very low expectations for an interim. I do not care. Anyone who has ever seen a football could probably do that. But this whole thing was not a good look for the Colts, and here's why. Jim Ursay went against his highest executives to make this happen. He has muted Chris Ballard to irrelevance, which is ironic. He wants a coach to manage the team and let the staff do their jobs. Yet Ursay is inserting himself as GM instead of letting Ballard do his job. That move struck a schism within the franchise. Only time will tell whether this mark will widen in the coming year. The move was also a bad look for the NFL. The Colts didn't break the Rooney Rule, which requires teams to interview a minority candidate for the full-time position. That rule does not apply to interim appointments. Furthermore, Ursay's hiring history certainly does not suggest that he is a racist. Not even close. But hiring a buddy does nothing for minorities. We all know how this works in the business world. How many of you have applied for a job and had the better qualifications and experience, but were passed over for someone who knew the boss? We all know what that's like. In the business world, it pays to know somebody, right? Yeah, but aren't we trying to get away from that idea and hire people based on merit and experience and not because you're buddies? The league has worked so hard to get away from the buddy system, and I think they've made good progress. But this is offsetting, and I think it marks the franchise in a significant way. 
This move sets a bad precedent for the league, and it's a bad look for the Indianapolis Colts. Strategically, this path doesn't make much sense either. It's becoming clear to me that Ursay wants to evaluate Jeff Saturday. But what can he learn about a coach in eight games who has no offensive staff, a bad O-line, and an old quarterback? Ursay's one goal for this season is now to transition Saturday as his new head coach. I think it's just a really bad idea. That's it. That's it. Just five Thanksgiving week observations. (laughs) Kind of gross. They're sitting on the belly like a cold can of cranberry sauce. Uh, I'm sorry to do that to you, Colts fans. Like I said, I'm not enjoying this. I'm just observing what's happening in this hysterical experiment called the 2022 season. The science continues Monday night as the good guys face the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Here's another one that the Colts should win. The Steelers are an interesting project. They drafted one of the two quarterbacks I liked from last year's draft, and it's not going so well, actually. Win or lose, I'm sure the Colts will give us a story to tell. There's no doubt about that. I'll talk to you next week. Take care, Colts fans. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor. Thanks for listening.